It's a shooting that took place a little after 11 p.m. last night in my beloved Indianapolis. The FedEx Ground Center, there is a big FedEx hub here in Indianapolis at the airport. The airport is to the west side of Indianapolis, a little bit uh, to the south, right off I-70. Continuing past the airport, there's a place called the Meriplex uh, Meriplex Parkway. And to the south, there is this FedEx ground facility housing 4,000 workers. That's where the shooting took place. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. We've been covering this story. You guys know I do mornings in Indianapolis. It's been the story and will continue to be. The information we have, not great at the moment, but there is a lot to assess. Eight people died in this shooting. Many more were injured. The gunman himself, and we do know it was a he, as has been discussed by IMPD, the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. He killed himself. So there were nine total people that died. Eight victims. Eight murdered. One, the suspect. Now, earlier, there was a press conference, and some people weren't able to hear it. I want to share it with you. So let me uh, say two things. First, uh, to the affiliates outside of of Indianapolis, uh, hearing this outside of Indiana, I appreciate you, you giving me the leeway here. Right. Sometimes we hear these things, we see these things and we talk about them. And I guess I maybe I feel a little bit, you know, this is in Indianapolis. And 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 if you're if you're in Lincoln, which which I love, I I don't want you to think that I'm not thinking of you. But I want to make sure I get the information out because people need to hear as we share when it's President Biden or we shared when it was President Trump. Or we want to make sure we're sharing to our, the best of our ability. It's the way I do things. Uh, what's happening so you can hear it for yourself. And within this, you're going to hear from the FBI. You'll hear from the deputy uh, uh, chief, uh, Craig McCart, M-C-C-A-R-T-T. You'll also hear from possibly uh, within this audio, uh, the mayor of Indianapolis, Joe Hogsett. Because not only will I get into what happened and let them share a little bit of what happened, but also you will hear the immediate, well, the problem is gun violence. Allow me to say for the record that as of this moment, no one knows anything about this shooter. No one knows anything about the weapon that was used, except that IMPD said it was a rifle of some type. Yet there are people out there saying it was an automatic weapon. I I kid you not saying it was an automatic weapon because they know nothing about firearms, nothing about guns. And they use this as a way of saying this is why we need gun control. We know nothing at this moment. As we, you'll hear in this press conference, they are still identifying people. There is a Holiday Inn Express not too far away that is being used as a staging area and has been since the early hours of the morning so family can find their loved ones. Why? Because you cannot have a phone on the floor. People don't have their cell phones. They're in lockers and in, in storage facilities, things like that. So when the shooting happened, they weren't able to go back to their phones. Other people who got injured drove themselves to hospitals. And they're being asked, if they're in the sound of my voice, to go back to the IMPD and answer questions because every little bit of information helps. There's actually a a, a tip line, 262 tips, in case you know anything, no matter where you are, no matter when you hear it. Because every little bit of information, while it may sound like nothing to you, could match up with other little bits of information and be very, very large. 
I want to make sure I share this. This, the press conference that took place, uh, there was a press conference that took place at 3 a.m., then there was a press conference that took place at 10.30. So this is not immediately after the shooting took place, but after they've had some time to start doing the work. The answers, of course, are not as plentiful as you would like, but I wanted to make sure you got to hear it. As the chief said, my name is Paul Keenan. I'm the special agent in charge of the FBI Indianapolis field office. First and foremost, I offer my sincere condolences on behalf of the FBI to the family and loved ones of the victims of the senseless violence that took place last night. While we mourn the devastating loss of their lives, we are dedicated to honoring their memory through a meticulous investigation. FBI Indianapolis is part of this community and we stand with our friends and our neighbors to condemn this violent act that has impacted so many. I stand here today with my partners because whenever there is a tragedy such as this, the FBI surges resources to assist our law enforcement partners in addressing those immediate needs. FBI personnel are assisting the crime scene, conducting interviews, assisting on the search of the suspect's home, and will provide any technical expertise requested by the IMPD. Many of you have already asked what the motive of this shooting was, and with less than 12 hours uh, since the shooting, it would be premature to speculate on that motivation. I can tell you that there is no further threat, and updates will continue to be shared as there are more details. We're grateful for our strong partnerships with the law enforcement in Indiana. As we have done in other cases, the FBI will dedicate all available resources to follow every lead and use all investigative capabilities to seek justice and bring closure for the victim's families. Next up, I'd like to introduce Deputy Chief Craig McCart from the IMPD. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to reiterate some of what's already been said, um, recognize this this horrible tragedy that our community has experienced this morning. And certainly our condolences go out to the victims, their families, their friends, their loved ones. And our thoughts and prayers are certainly with all all those who were affected by this this violence. And, and we know that that's far reaching, that this violence is, is far reaching. Um, and so we keep all of them in our in our thoughts as we as we move forward. So I will quickly go through um, how this investigation has progressed. And again, um, bear with me. There's going to be a lot that I am not able, a lot of questions that you may have after I'm done that I may not be able to answer. Um, we're still working on those answers. This, this investigation is very much still in its uh, infancy, um, but I will answer what I can uh, after we're done. So late last night, officers received a run of shots fired to the a FedEx facility. Uh, when officers arrived, they found a very chaotic and active crime scene. Uh, they found several victims injured and several victims deceased, uh, as well as the suspect who was deceased as well um, of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, detectives were summoned to the scene. We began interviews with the many witnesses uh, that were that were on scene. Uh, crime lab responded and we began to to process um, that crime scene and and that continues now and and we're still several hours from being able to complete that at this time so we're, there's still a lot of work to do out there um, 
Our victim assistance and chaplain's office also responded to the scene to assist uh, with with the witnesses, uh, victim families, and uh, Indigo was at the scene to help us transport uh, employees, witnesses, and families to the family uh, reunification site, which was a nearby hotel. And so we continue to work with those employees um, and families as, as we work through identification um, and, and speaking with those families. Um, before I before I open anything up uh, for questions, I, I just want to I want to recognize the work that's being done out there as we speak um, by our detectives and the help that we have received um, from from other law enforcement agencies. I'd like to also give a thank you to the state police. Um, they were they were a huge help last night as their detectives worked right alongside with ours. Um, they allowed us to use this facility not only for this um, for this event but for interviews last night. Um, Indigo, as I've already said, our federal partners who, who have been right beside us uh, throughout this investigation as well. Uh, we will now work alongside the coroner's office as we work through uh, victim identification. And, um, and so we, again, just a big thank you to, to all those folks, the victim assistance unit, the, the chaplain's office. Um, you know, we couldn't, have, we couldn't have done this without the help that, that we've received. Uh, today and, and certainly our crime lab techs have been out there all night as well. So if there are specific questions now, I will open it up for those questions and again, I will try to answer uh, answer whatever I can. Just ask, I know you can't give much information at this point about a but what can you tell us about the suspect? You know, I, I can really tell you very little and, and the reason is um, we are still working to identify everybody that is still on scene there. Um, so we, we are not able to make positive identification of the suspect, so there's really not much that we can, that we can say about him until we have made positive identification. Were, were any of the eyewitnesses that you were able to talk to, did any of them say anything about the suspect? Did they recognize this person? So what we did find um, preliminarily from the interviews that were conducted was that um, you know, this suspect came to the facility and when he came there, he uh, he got out of his car and pretty quickly started some random shooting outside the facility. Um, there was no confrontation uh, with anyone that was there. There was no disturbance. There was no argument. He just appeared to randomly start shooting, um, and, and that began in the parking lot. And then he did go into the building, uh, into the facility for a brief period of time before he took his own life. We don't know that. Again, um, that's difficult to determine until we make positive identification. So we're certainly working uh, with the FedEx organization um, in trying to establish all those connections, but we just can't do that yet. And and that's that's accurate. I mean, we have we have an idea. Um, we have some we have some other leads that led us to that location. Um, but again, until we make positive identification, um, along with the coroner's office, we're we're not going to obviously identify anybody. But there is research going on on some of the 
uh, there, there's all kinds of things going on in the investigation, but yes, that is one of them. Okay, a search of the individual you think who is the shooter. Potentially, yes. Potentially, yes. How many weapons recovered? How many shots? Uh, I can't tell you that yet. We're again the crime lab is still out there collecting all that evidence, and we can't determine those things until they've they've completed. Did your witnesses tell you that perhaps FedEx or the security personnel or off duty law enforcement personnel at the site yesterday had any indication that perhaps this trouble was going to occur or somebody was going to come back with a gun? No. Um, you know, we're still working with, with FedEx security um, for, for anything that, um, that might have been an indicator that this was going to happen, but um, right now we don't, we don't have those ties. And again, it's, Russ is still very early, still in the infancy, so we're still doing those interviews. We're still working closely with FedEx to, to, find, those things, uh, to find those things out. Was the shooting done when police arrived? Yes, my understanding is that everything, by the time that officers entered, um, that, that the situation was over, that the, um, that the suspect took his life very shortly before officers actually entered the facility. How long do you think the incident lasted? It, you know, it's hard to say exactly, but the estimates that, that we have heard are just a couple minutes, that it, was, it did not last very long. You can't confirm that the suspect is important. No, we cannot confirm that yet. How many people were in the building at the time? Uh, you know what, that, I, I can't tell you that. That would be a question that, the, that someone from the FedEx organization would have to answer. I don't know the number. Um, I don't know that number right now. They didn't know a lot of things. They weren't aware at the time of a lot of things, and it's going to take a while. What don't they know? They don't know the type of firearm. Although there have been people who said it's an automatic weapon. Oh, I kid you not. They actually said it's an automatic weapon. The only thing we know, a rifle of some type. That's what they've said. We know that he got out of the car and started shooting almost immediately. And then worked himself inside the establishment. Inside the building, the FedEx ground building. We don't know if he worked there. We don't know if he had a connection to someone who worked there. We don't know about security. A lot of questions. But as you heard them say, it's premature to speculate on, on uh, the suspect's motivation. We also know that when he got out of the car and started shooting, there were no arguments and no confrontations. It just began. This is what they're telling us thus far. We're going to have more on this. We're going to keep reporting on it. And I appreciate you indulging me and allowing to make sure I share this information to the best of my ability with everyone uh, in Indiana, in the Midwest, and across the country. I'm Tony Katz. So James O'Keefe is suing Twitter. That's that's what's happening. James O'Keefe is Project Veritas, and he is suing Twitter because Twitter blocked him. They said, sorry, you can't tweet anymore. And in doing so, they say he created false accounts. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have never created a fake account. Now it's on. Now we're going to get to the suing. 230 isn't going to save you. You understand that this is something that Twitter allowed 
themselves to fall into. It isn't the whole of the story. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The whole of the story is that he exposed CNN. Now, I will tell you that this was the the, the part of this story that's going to come back on him, on James, is that you have um, this, the, the, the way they met this technical director for CNN is uh, they met uh, on Tinder. And she went on like five dates with the dude. And people are going to be like, whoa, that's, that's all sorts of messed up. And that's going to come back like, this is your tactic. This is what you do. They're going to avoid the fact that CNN is admitting, admitting that they worked to pump up Joe Biden, to hurt Donald Trump, to not share this story, to not share that story. I mean, I think the argument is, is there that CNN clearly lied to help Biden win. They did what they could, and that's not what journalists do. That's not what a news organization does. And to expose that, as we already knew it to be true, well, that's very possibly what Twitter threw them off for. And then they said, fake accounts. And he's like, ah, now I gotcha. So the lawsuit is different, in my view, from the reason they removed Project Veritas that does these videos, and and James O'Keefe. We're going to find out. We're going to find out soon enough. I've got more on the shooting in Indianapolis. I've got more on the, the BLM grift. Wait till you hear the audio. And cases of COVID heading up. But do I trust the World Health Organization enough to do anything about it? This is Tony Katz today. Was it uh, Joe Biden saying we must act in response to the shooting that took place in Indianapolis? Eight people are dead. It was at a FedEx ground center. It happened in the overnight. This is my city, people. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Uh, let me uh, just make sure we're all uh, understanding e- each other, uh, Mr. President. When you say uh, we have to do something, we must act. What, what, what do you even think you mean? Now, it's very possible the President of the United States got more information on this case than I have thus far. Very, very possible. I would not say no. I would tell you that I'm certainly uh, a guy who wants to work as many sources as I can to figure out what's going on. I will say this. Everybody on social media who thinks they know what's going on, I'm willing to bet you dollars to donuts, has absolutely no idea. And I would, without question, guard against making any suppositions. Which is why I have been this morning more active on Twitter than I have been in a long time in calling out some of the horrificness that that I have seen. Let me give you one of the pieces that I have seen. It was from 
the Indianapolis Urban League. From uh, I, I think this is from their their uh, president Tony Mason, their president and CEO. This is how it starts, guys. Eight people are dead. We don't have a single bit of information as of yet. All we know is that there was a rifle. We have no idea what kind. I got people in my ear about it, but I can't confirm it yet. We know that the shooting took place outside and then inside this FedEx grounds facility. We know that there are family members still who have not been connected with knowing whether or not one of their loved ones got injured or is dead or is okay. People got injured and drove themselves to hospitals. That's what we know. We know nothing about this shooter. We have zero. Social media, zero. Name, zero. Uh, uh, Gender, political affiliation, nothing as of yet. But more can certainly come up. I wholeheartedly agree. This was the Indianapolis Urban League. Late last night, they write, Indianapolis joined the growing list of American cities beset by the scourge of workplace mass shootings when a gunman armed with an automatic rifle killed eight people and wounded at least five more in a senseless act of violence at the FedEx facility near the Indianapolis airport. Automatic rifle? Automatic rifle? Do you want to discuss the level of bureaucracy necessary to get an automatic weapon? Not a semi-automatic weapon, an automatic weapon in the United States of America. I put forth to you, and I say directly to the Indianapolis Urban League, you have no idea what you're talking about. None. And if that's a spelling mistake that you just forgot semi- Let me now say again, you have no idea. Now, you may very well be right. It could have been an AR-15. It could have been anything. All we know is a rifle of some kind. This is what IMPD has said. So even if you were to say semi-automatic, you're still speculating. You don't know. So why would you put out a statement like this? I have seen so many of these. I'll get into more of it in a little bit. It is out of control the way people act and react, the way they engage. They have no concern or consideration. And you know what they then say to you? Well, well, when's the right time to be outraged by gun violence? I want to know what culturally is happening. You know what none of these people said? There was a story out of Indianapolis, and maybe, maybe I'm jaded. I love this city. I moved to Indianapolis a little more than seven and a half years ago. In June, in, in June, it'll be eight years. End of June. I remember I moved on, on the 27th of June and I started uh, my morning show on the 30th. And um, this city has been fantastic to me, guys. I lived in D.C. for a while. I lived in Tampa for a while. I lived in Los Angeles for six years. I never moved to any place so small. And never. 
I never, I never thought I would live in the Midwest. I always dug the Midwest. I always thought I had a cool vibe, right? It has been remarkable to me and remarkable to my family. I wouldn't argue perfect. What is perfect? But good. And this city, Indianapolis, if you had seen it, a thriving downtown and fun people and people creating cool stuff. Just a spectacular feel. And over the past few years, because of very bad leadership, it's been falling apart. Now, there's still so much good that it's able to, to often counterbalance bad leadership, bad thoughts, a total lack of vision. But one of the things our leadership is simply unable to do or unwilling to do is discuss honestly the issues in front of us. And those issues are cultural. This conversation scares people. But we've been having it for years. Why would I somehow change it now because of a horror that took place not too far away from where uh, we are, not too far away from my station at 40 Monument Circle? Culturally, what is happening to us? The story you don't know that they did not really share is the story of a man who killed four family members, including a child, to get a stimulus check. You didn't hear that story. That took place in Indianapolis. This is the, you know, they consider a mass shooting of four people or more. This is the third in as many months, I believe. The story made national news, but only if you were reading it. He killed a seven-year-old. He shot his girlfriend, who's the mother of his six-month-old daughter. A seven-year-old, a 23-year-old, a 35-year-old, and a 44-year-old. He did it for a stimulus check. We have a cultural issue. Now, I've seen the data that shows that mass shootings don't happen outside of the realm in terms of population. But the majority certainly are done by people who are white within the the parameters of the total population. Shootings on the street are done more by people who are black. Just take a look at Chicago. Just take a look at Detroit. Just take a look at some of those cities. Take a look at my beloved Indianapolis. I don't know about your city. Street shootings are done by people who are black and mass shootings are done by people who are white. Why is that? How much longer are we going to be scared to have the conversation because somehow that conversation is racist? Screw those people. And I need leadership that is willing to look them in the eye, those people who find that offensive, and say, forget you, baby. We got work to do. Our city is dying. Our country is dying. And if we don't address these key issues, we're dead. And with all due respect, I ain't got no time to worry about your feelings. Forget 
your feelings. What's happening to our people? Notice I said our people. I didn't say black people are their people and white people are their people. These are our people. What's happening? What is happening? Yet I have leader after leader in Indiana who will tell you from the Democratic side, oh, it's gun violence. Oh, we have to do something about guns. I have a city county counselor, right? We call it the city county council here. I won't even share it with you right now. I'll wait to share with you how she addressed this before the sun came up in Indianapolis. These people only know their narrative and their rote. They have no minds. They have no vision. They have no caring. They have no decency. They have no goodness. And we must say, forget these people and ask ourselves how we save us. Our issue isn't guns. Our issue is a culture that says you handle slights by killing your enemy. The person who slighted you. That says, I need a couple of bucks, I'll kill four people for a stimulus check. A society that says, I feel unloved. Nobody will date me, so let me kill my classmates or those I work with because I got fired. It's time for the grown-ups to take charge. You want to talk about what it's time for? It isn't time to say you can't have a gun. Forget those people. It's time for us to demand leadership, do the job, or get the holy hell out of the way. I'm Tony Katz. So we're seeing cases go up of COVID. We're seeing this in a lot of places. And you're hearing about people discussing whether or not we're going to see more lockdowns. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. It's the World Health Organization says the number of new cases per week has nearly doubled over the past two months. Approaching the highest rate of infection that we have seen so far during the pandemic. First, to the extent that I believe anything the World Health Organization says. If you're tracking numbers, you're tracking numbers. I don't think that they're making that part up. Do I think that they lied about China? Absolutely, positively. Do I think they helped China cover it up? Absolutely, positively. I believe that. Do I think they're lying about this? No. Do I think that when they talk about masks being effective, are they are they wrong about that? Yes, I do believe that they are. And I think that people like Phil Kirpin um, at Kirpin on Twitter have have um, shown that uh, one of the things that he he just looked at was the idea of masks and influenza. And how. um You have countries that weren't using masks where you didn't see flu appear at all. You're not seeing flu really appear in the United States. It's out of control how low flu is in in the U.S. It's, it's, It's kind of amazing. 
So when they go over numbers, I'm like, okay, you're going over over numbers. But those numbers of infection, how many of these are serious infection leading to hospitalization and leading to needs in addition? How many of them needed a ventilator, although we don't necessarily use ventilators for these kinds of cases? How many of them needed serious medical attention on an ongoing basis as opposed to rundown and achy and some of the other things that we have found with COVID? And I'm not trying to to share with you that or, 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 or push on you that somehow you, you've, you've got something not, not worth worrying about here. You have something worth worrying about here. You should pay attention to COVID. COVID's real. That you should shut down society for it. No, that is what I don't believe. So when the, when the World Health Organization discusses the, the rise in cases, I believe them. When I hear about from, from doctors, people I know, friends, about... Uh, the number of people they're now admitting, it's up for the first time in months. By the way, some people saying to me that the flu cases are being diagnosed as COVID in 2020 and 2021. That's very possible, but I want to see more data to show that before I go about saying it. Right? You're not going to get me to disagree with, with that conceptually. It's like when we saw death certificates and people clearly put COVID... As the reason for death, even it was a motorcycle accident, but it was COVID. Well, we, did we forget that happened? So there was a doctor, was, was, was a nurse, or maybe it was, it was somebody in, in, within the hospital system who was like, well, we don't know if COVID you know, may have caused the accident. So we put it as COVID, someone's coughing or what have you. Holy cow. That's not, that, 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 that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. We also haven't seen the number on comorbidities, which we've been talking about since the very beginning. The idea that all these people died of COVID alone versus COVID in conjunction with a comorbidity that really created the issue. So again, I go back. Do I believe the numbers the World Health Organization is putting out regarding the number of infections? Yes, I don't actually have a reason to think otherwise. Because everything that we discussed is extremely important, but it's different than whether or not there's an infection. The question is, how serious is the infection? Right? Someone gets the flu. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, it was nothing. It was gone in a day. How many times have you said that before in your life? This is my point. So do not get scared when they say things like, oh, the infections, they've doubled and they're at their highest point. Oh, okay. Now tell me about how bad it is for people. That's what we want to know. Eight people are dead in Indianapolis from a shooter at a FedEx ground facility. I will have the latest on the subject And court packing, not even Pelosi is in favor of this. This is Tony Katz today.